1: From the sports desk of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and RedRaiders.com, here's your look at all things Texas Tech sports. Now, here's the Red Raider Podcast.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Red Raiders Podcast brought to you by A.J. Media. I'm uh, Texas Tech beat writer Don Williams, joined as always by A.J. Media sports editor Carl Silva, Jr. It's week three for Texas Tech. Open date coming up after this one, but yep. uh, it's the first uh, big challenge for Tech this week. Red Raiders 2-0 go to Arizona. First time since 1989 that they have played the Wildcats. And uh, that game is 9.30 p.m. Central Time on Saturday. And uh, Red Raiders go in with a 2-0 record. Uh, haven't been challenged yet, Carlos. 45-10 victory against Montana State in Week 1. 38-3 victory against UTEP. In week two, Um what did you? I guess where do you think the Red Raiders are right now? I mean, right now you're in a good
1: spot because you're obviously two and zero. I think that's the the biggest thing you have to take away. You could easily be zero and two, which, based on the way that they were playing the last two games, I think clearly you know that they were going to be two and zero and not zero and two. So that's obviously a positive. As you kind of alluded to at the top of the show, Don, uh, you're certainly going to see some more talented athletes. Whether that be physical, in terms of vertical leap, in terms of game-changing plays that can be made, I think you can really kind of start off with Khalil Tate of Arizona, the quarterback there for them. But uh, in terms of the first two games, I'll say what I've said since I started. The discipline is very noticeable. The fact that they get set up on offense and defense, that they're ready to play, that they feel like they are prepared. I know, I believe it was Project Washington or Eli Howard that told me they feel like when they see... The opposing team set up in their offensive set, they've seen it at least two or three times, so they already kind of know what's going to happen. So I think the preparation is good, the discipline is good, and the defense is certainly good. Only allowed 13 points in the first two weeks, first time since uh, 1998, if I'm not mistaken, since that's happened. So certainly some good numbers historically, but that could change a little bit when uh, they head to Arizona for that 9.30 p.m. kick.
0: Yeah, they have a, a couple of dynamic talents the U of A does with Khalil Tate, a quarterback. He was, you know, otherworldly. Uh, the year before last as a sophomore, a guy comes out of nowhere and he's Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week four weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. Nobody else had ever had ever done that. He was the first, first guy to be Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week four weeks in a row. He had 1,400 yards rushing. He had five runs that were 70 yards or longer. And then last year he was all uh, beat up, suffered an ankle injury very mm-hmm. early. That was the only thing I think that was publicized last season, but then his, his dad told uh, Sports Illustrated this summer that in addition to the ankle injury, he also had turf toe and shoulder banged up. And so his numbers were down drastically last year, but uh, it's a guy who's I think one of the most dangerous playmakers that there is in college football. Not only is he a – uh, not only does he is he elusive, but he's six foot two and two hundred fifteen pounds, so he's a big guy. He's hard to tackle, and he gets all the attention. But uh, then the the running back was a third team All American last year. Little guy who's, you know five foot six that mm-hmm. rushed for that rushed for fourteen hundred yards last year. So they have uh, not just a big weapon at quarterback, but a big weapon at running back. Uh, a good. Their second-leading rusher last year had 500-plus uh, yards, and so uh, it's, it's a team that has some, has some weapons. They showed last week they rang up 65, and it was northern Arizona, but still 65 points, 65 points. So I know you kind of posed the question to me, Don. I guess what did you want to
1: see from Texas Tech that made you feel like I don't even know if this is the correct term, but just feel like they're at least uh, in a good position against Arizona, other than the fact that you could blow them out 90-0. to zero. Other than that, maybe, I guess, what would have made you feel good going into this game against Arizona?
0: Based on what they've done the first two weeks? Yeah, the first two weeks. The first two weeks. What, 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 first two weeks, I think, is that they, haven't been che- that they have taken care of business. I think yep. uh, that, that's the thing that makes you feel good if you're a Texas Tech fan, is that, yes, the uh, competition is is, is – was overmatched, but we've seen Tech play overmatched competition before and still not uh, win as decisively as the Red Raiders. Yeah. As the Red Raiders did the last couple of Saturdays. So I think uh, the thing that makes you feel good is they have not been challenged, they have not played down to the level of the competition, and they have not looked sloppy either the first two weeks. That's something build on. So I guess for you,
1: I guess when you kind of, at least kind of not necessarily pick someone out or just kind of do anything separate from that before we kind of get to some of these questions that we got from Twitters. And of course we appreciate everyone sending us uh, questions on on Twitter. Usually Don tries to do this in the morning or I try and send something on Facebook. You can always uh, check us out on Twitter at AJ underscore Don Williams or at CM Silva JR or at Raider Sports. Can send it all there, and of course we'll answer those on the podcast. Every we usually record this on Wednesdays for those that have been asking us on on Tuesday or on Tuesday or maybe a, a Thursday after you listen to it. Typically, we ask these questions on Wednesday. We do the podcast Wednesday, and then we publish it on Thursday for those uh, that don't know. But I guess Don, uh, I know I kind of mentioned what made you feel good about the first two weeks. I guess just from your perspective, I think everyone's going to talk about Alan Bowman for obvious reasons. I think he's fine. I think you kind of learned a little bit about your running backs. I think uh, Tijon Henry and Sir Roderick Thompson are certainly good. Armand Shine, shined, for lack of a better term, in one game and kind of maybe found himself a little bit pedestrian in that second one. Wide receiver is the one that really kind of interests me because T.J. Vasher kind of caught a little bit of fire. It seems like the offensive uh, coordinator, David Yost, is trying to get him involved a little bit and certainly made some big plays with his length and athleticism. Dalton Rigdon... Xavier White didn't really kind of make some noise in this one, but I think you've got something with those inside receivers. I think it's the outside receivers that I'm kind of interested to see if they make some noise because, as uh, David Yost kind of mentioned to us earlier in the week, you were playing a couple teams that were not allowing you to get behind them, and I think you're going to see a little bit more of those opportunities against an Arizona team that, as we mentioned at the top of this podcast, a little bit more athletic, so they're probably more apt to go man-on-man
0: yeah, and T.J. Vasher said yesterday that uh, they don't see a whole lot of that in the Big 12, so yeah. he, was, he was looking forward to it. A lot of questions after after Saturday that the Red Raiders hadn't thrown the ball deep a whole lot. David Yoast said Tuesday that there's a reason why they haven't thrown the ball deep a whole lot is because uh, the coverage is that they were getting, some cover three, I think, in the first week and uh, also um, – both teams, Montana State and UTEP, playing playing play off, playing back, trying to keep everything in front of them. He said Arizona's going to be different. They're going to be sending pressure up front. They're going to be playing man to man on the back. And he said you got to take shots when you get that kind of when you get that kind of coverage. And he said not only have to take those shots but have to hit them. Um, so he said that, and he kind of explained that in their ninety series drop back passing game, three step drop. He said the reads are all deep throws first and then short. So they're looking they're looking for the post. They're looking mm-hmm. for the go route. They're looking for the uh, corner route. And then if that's not open, then you look for the guy underneath. Um, but they haven't used that a whole lot the first couple of weeks because the defense that they got dictated otherwise. He thinks, though, that the defense they're going to see from Arizona is going to lend itself to the look deep, throw it deep, and then it's a question of uh, Alan Bowman putting putting it on the money. He had a couple of uh, you know, a couple of chances last week that he yeah. uh, didn't complete. Dalton
1: Rigdon being one of them, he mm-hmm.
0: was wide open he was wide for that one. Yeah. That would have been probably two touchdowns for yeah. Dalton
1: Rigdon. Yeah, so that would have been a good one. Of course, he got his first touchdown, the former walk-on Perryton uh, standout. Big big game for him, obviously. But uh, in terms of, uh, I guess, anything else you kind of wanted to, to let go there for those two games, Don – Uh, Obviously, it took us a little bit to do this podcast because I've been uh, sobbing the the last several days because everyone thinks I've been uh, really sad that UTEP lost. They did exactly what I thought they'd do. I was surprised they scored three, to be honest with you. Yeah, Yeah, the alma mater. They're they're probably going to win five games if they're lucky, probably three at best. So, obviously, I'm kind of just pleased that they kind of made it a game, so to speak, for a little bit. But off of UTEP, going into Arizona – What do you feel uh, Texas Tech has to do to be in a good position to win? Before we get to our questions from Twitter,
0: you got to well, you got to uh, keep Khalil Tate him. Dan, you can't let him go off for. I say, two year before last, he had five runs that were seventy plus yards. That was Mm -hmm. the most of any player in in the FBS. So uh, when you get them in, t- Tech's done a good job so far getting teams in third and long. Mm-hmm. That's going to be tougher to do this week because, again, you have a running back that have 1,400 yards last year. So it's going to be tougher to get them in third and long. But when you do, when you get into th- you know third and five, third and seven, you get Khalil Tate in the pocket if you have coverage and you and you keep him hemmed in, the thing that kills you and is a backbreaker is, then you let him. You know, you let him out, and he goes and runs for 15 yards and gets the first down. Yeah, keeps the sticks moving, keeps the drive going. You you, you got to keep him from killing you, and of course that's easier said than done because now that he's healthy, he's quite capable of killing uh, any team that's on their schedule. You know, Arizona to me reminds me of uh, Texas Tech. Uh, particularly the Texas Tech during the Pat Mahomes years. Yeah, they have a dynamic playmaker quarterback. They have, have other weapons at the skill positions, um, but they can't. They have a hard time stopping people. You know, if they lose forty-five to thirty-eight in the first week. They win sixty-five to forty-one last week. That's those were the kind of games that Texas Tech played when Patrick Mahomes was here. So your defense has to your defense has to keep this game manageable and in range for your offense to score enough points to win.
1: Totally agree with that, Don. If he can keep Khalil Tate from going over 100 yards, I think you're going to be in a good position to win because then you're kind of forcing him to throw the football. A lot of uh, draft uh, draft scouts always are kind of mentioning the fact that they have to see him throw from the pocket. Yes, he can throw on the run. Yes, he can make dynamic plays with his legs, but I think if Texas Tech can keep him contained, don't let him get out of the pocket because once that happens – Craziness will happen because then the defensive backs, your cornerbacks, kind of everyone is gonna really be scrambling to look for wide receivers that are trying to get open and not only that, but then you're trying to account for Khalil Tate, who can certainly run for as Don kind of mentioned, big time gains on the ground. One person that this kind of reminds me of, obviously a little bit different of an athlete, but Caleb Balage, Arizona State, I thought uh, that could be something that if you at least keep him contained. Try and shore up the the defensive line, slow that down, get some push from there early on. I think that's going to be a good thing for Texas Tech because, frankly, I think the offense is good. I think the tempo's good. I think once you kind of get going, I think that's been the problem is trying to start off pretty quick. They certainly did that against Montana State. Had a a little bit of a stutter, if you want to even call it that, or maybe sputtering, but they were able to get 21 points after scoring 28 the week before by halftime. I think that's all fine, but I really do feel that if the defense can kind of get a couple of stops here, get yourself two possessions ahead, I think that's going to be good for Texas Tech as we head into the t- Texas Tech Twitter questions here, Don.
0: Uh, so, Michael Macon asks this, Are you taking the over or the under this weekend? The over under seventy seven. So that means a score of forty two to thirty five is a push. Yeah, an over would be forty five to thirty four, fifty two to twenty eight, forty eight to thirty. Those would be over scores. So you taking the over under this weekend? Texas
1: Tech has scored thirty eight against UTEP. I'm going to say they score close to forty. So I'm going to say yes.
0: So uh, and, I, and I'm going to say yes also. I yeah. think with uh, I think with Tech's offense and with like uh, I say the the Tate factor, uh, I think this is a game that's going to be played. Somebody's going to somebody's going to crack forty and the other team's probably going to get 35 or so, so I'm going to take the over as well.
1: Now, I will say this. With this uh, over, I think it will happen in the fourth quarter. I don't think it's going to be something that happens early on. I think these teams are going to feel each other out early on, and it may be a low-scoring affair where everyone thinks, oh, it's going to be a defensive battle, and then all of a sudden everyone gets hot, and I think that's how it's going to happen.
0: This week, Arizona safety Tristan Cooper, when he was asked about uh, fans' calls to fire Wildcats defense coordinator Marcel Yates. He said, in in, in part, he said, there's a lot of outside noise. The same people that are talking mess about us today are going to be on our bandwagon after we beat Texas Tech as this bulletin board material for the Red Raiders.
1: Well, it's kind of hard to put a video on the bulletin board, but I certainly (laughs) think the Texas Tech uh, coaching staff, maybe even some of the players, have circulated it around the locker room. Shout out to Tristan Cooper, by the way, El Paso Andrus.
0: I was going to say, though, they can put that on their on, – everybody has, uh, what do you call them, the uh, iPads. Oh, iPads. yeah, they the iPads. All, they all true. have iPads now, so they can circulate it on their iPads. Will this be iPad mm-hmm. material for Texas Tech? I, I,
1: I certainly think it's going to be uh, something that incites some motivation. I think that's certainly something. But I, I can understand where he's coming from. He obviously wants to back up his defensive coordinator. I get it. Maybe he probably could have used a little bit better uh, – Wording at the end where you kind of use beat Texas Tech because usually that's what you try to want to stay away from. Is it bulletin board material? Possibly. I mean, at this point, if you're not fired up to play a football game, according to Matt Wells, and you're not obviously ready to play football.
0: Um, and, and that's the thing. I, th- I think you have to put it into context. I don't think he was dissing Texas Tech as so yes. much as he was trying to build up. Just defensive coordinators, so and not only have that, but it,
1: then just talk about the bandwagon fans too. Yeah, so yeah. I think
0: you, I think you have to put it in that context. And if you're Texas Tech, um, you, you don't really need any more motivation. I mean, yeah. you, you got to. It's very important that you uh, go win this football game because this is one of the ones that that's got to look at and that can help you get to six wins if you go out there and take your favored. And you're you're not going to be favored uh, eight or nine or ten times this year. You need to take care of business when you when you can have another team that's kind of on equal footing with you. And on the flip side, Arizona's one and one after
1: losing to Hawaii, so a loss for them could be some kind of tough, tough sliding for them going into the rest of the season if they start off one and two compared to what everyone thought they would, which is three and
0: zero. Let's go to a question from Evan Green, who said, "Bowman, Allen Bowman definitely didn't have the time he needed last week against Utah. How much of the sluggish offense do you think is attributed to Yost? keeping things vanilla ahead of Arizona.
1: I think a lot of people use the term vanilla in a a very disparaging fashion. I don't think they're being vanilla, Don. I think they were just taking what was given to them, which is kind of I think what David Yost was alluding to when he said we didn't have a lot of opportunities to throw the ball deep because they took what uh, UTEP and uh, Montana State gave them because they have the athletes to break those open field tackles, which they certainly did. Sir Roderick Thompson – to John Henry showed that every time they kind of got those little screen or bubbles to the left or to the right. You had Dalton Rigdon made a, huge, made a huge touchdown play thanks to some good downfield blocking from his wide receivers as well. I think they used everything that they needed to do in their game plan to beat those teams, and this is going to be one game plan where I think David Yost has said it, Keith Patterson has said it. I can't remember if Matt Wells has said it yet, but each game is a different uh, feel or however they would like to characterize it, and I think this is going to be a different game plan, and I think this is going to be the game plan where you kind of see some uh, some new things happen, although I think it's going to come from the same formations and the same things that you've seen early on this season.
0: Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts on it. My, you know, my first thought was that uh, I go back to that David Yost qu- quote that uh, he would rather do six things a thousand times yep. than do a thousand things six times. Yep. So I think – what you have seen so far is going to be a big – or it's going to continue to be big components of the offense. Um, but, again, he said yesterday that uh, what they expect to see defensively from Arizona this week is going to lend itself a lot more to deep passing and opening, up the, and opening up the game that way than it has the first two weeks. So it's interesting that you bring that up, and I just want to have a little bit
1: of perspective because obviously you've covered this team a little bit longer. Did people complain – or maybe it's because they didn't have Twitter – back then, but did you kind of get this sense where people felt that
0: early on in the season Mike Leach was a little vanilla? Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, particularly yeah. in, in, in year one, Mike Leach in year one was uh, going to be run out of town because yeah. Texas Tech fans hated the offense because yeah. it was uh, simple. Were, I mean, well, they were doing what they, what they did for the next 10 years, but it didn't look very good when yeah. they began, when they were doing it in the yeah. first month back in 2000. But they did it so well that it
1: was successful, clearly.
0: And that and that was the thing. What that thing that Yost said about doing six things a thousand times mm-hmm. that is very much a Mike Leach thing because yeah. he was all about running a few things, you know, a simple offense, but doing it well based on repetition.
1: And that's the only reason I wanted to ask you because I feel like people use that term vanilla, but they don't kind of realize that the coaches have certainly said this. I mean, you use that quote multiple times anytime someone asks you that. They're just trying to get perfection on these plays because they know at some point in the year, uh, some point during a game, because they're running so fast, running tempo, you're going to catch a defense on its heels, or they're going to be tired trying to, quote-unquote, tap them out, try and get them off the field, and you're going to catch them. And if you run your play to perfection, you're going to be successful. And I think that's what Mike Leach had in mind with
0: yeah, his offense, David,
1: and I think this is what David Yost had yeah, in mind and
0: as be well. Yeah, be able to run it in your sleep. Um, Let's see, this week we we learned yesterday that uh, Texas Tech uh, has completed its non-conference schedule for 2021. Uh, Yeah. Signed to play a game against Stephen F. Austin. So in 2021, Red Raiders will open against Florida International, then play Stephen F. Austin in week two, and then play Houston in week three. Greg, asked, Greg said, someone needs to ask why Tech asked for and received a waiver to not play the Power 5 non-conference opponent in 2021. They might as well say they're scared to play anyone above high school level. This is why we cannot get any respect. I but suppose. I, well, I, I yeah. disagree with that. Yeah. The reason they received the waiver was because in a relatively short time frame that they had to get the game for twenty twenty one, since most teams schedule yeah years in advance eight, six and eight and ten years out, there weren't a whole lot of options power yeah. five wise it hadn't already been taken yeah and so this was a a one time thing in twenty twenty one because mm-hmm. you look and Tech has a power five non conference opponent scheduled. got Oregon Oregon. Well, let's go through. Let's yeah, go through it year free. by year. Arizona this year. Arizona next year, twenty twenty two, go to North Carolina State. Twenty twenty three, Oregon comes to Lubbock. Twenty twenty four, Tech goes to Oregon. Twenty twenty five and twenty six, it's Oregon State here and Oregon State there. Twenty twenty seven, it's North Carolina State here and twenty twenty eight is at Mississippi State and Mississippi State coming to Lubbock in twenty twenty nine. So Tech plays a Power Five opponent. With the exception of the 2021 season, take place a Power 5 team non-conference every year for the, through 2029. And let's let uh, the, the,
1: the word or maybe the, the voice of Don let everyone know this has been already set up, so you can't really complain about anything going after 2021 because these scheduled dates for games – as you mentioned, Don, this is going through what 2025, 2026 twenty twenty five, twenty twenty six at this
0: point. Well, twenty they have everything set now through twenty twenty four, except yeah. for except for they need an opponent next. They need one yeah. opponent next year, and that's going to be their FCS game next year. Yeah. Uh, Chris Ward asked, "Why do we have to pay pay Oregon or any of the other Power Five schools?" That's interesting because a lot of I think every, it's well known that all the small schools when they play a Power Five team, the small schools. It's a paycheck game for them. It helps their. It it really helps fund the small schools' mm-hmm. budgets. like yeah. Montana State UTEP.
1: Not, uh, UTEP from, got three hundred thousand. I think Montana State got five hundred thousand. If I'm not mistaken from that yeah, story. Yeah, Florida
0: International Tech is going to pay one point four million to come here. Mm-hmm. Now that's normal for the small colleges, but. Uh, and I, I don't know when this started. I think it's relatively new that the, even the Power Five teams playing each other give each other a game guarantee. Tech's going to get 400000 when it goes to Arizona mm-hmm. this week. Arizona will get 400000 when it comes here next year. And um, as Chris mentioned, uh, when, Oregon co- when Oregon comes to Lubbock in 2024, Tech will pay the ducks four hundred thousand. Mm. Then when Tech goes to Oregon in twenty twenty five and twenty twenty four, Tech will get four hundred thousand possible
1: from, travel fees. I
0: guess, yeah, you and, know, and, that, like and, that, that, yeah. and that's the reason from talking from talking to folks over in the athletic department. It kind of gives is it, you, you help each other out with travel and with lodging because you got however many people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, however many people Tech is traveling to Arizona mm-hmm. this weekend, you got to put them all in the hotel there in Tucson. So that's going to be a, a big hotel bill. So Arizona helping Texas Tech out with the travel. Tech does the same when Arizona comes here next year, and also uh, I'm told uh, kind of helps each other's athletic departments make up any inequality quality in their in their budget. This year. And and I guess the other point too that you could make
1: the, the important fact, at least for me that I'm kind of thinking about this, is there's a return game for both. So you're gonna get a gate
0: mm-hmm. in,
1: instead of where I, I think that the numbers are a little bit more for some of these, like a UTEP or Montana State, because you may not play them again. They're not getting a return game, say, Texas Tech going to UTEP or Texas Tech going to Montana State. I believe Texas Tech is going to UTEP. Um, but next year. Yeah. yeah and Tech
0: so, will get 300000 yeah, from UTEP
1: next year. Yeah, so that, that's obviously travel fees. But in terms of that, it's just one of those return games where you know you're going to get your gate, but I think it helps a little bit more with that travel. it's so. a pretty good question. I, I didn't think about that.
0: Um, off the field, a uh, question, would Kirby Hokut be a candidate for athletic director at Southern Cal? Lynn I Swan. don't even know. Lynn if he, Swan resigned this a week. A lot of people don't. I remember
1: back when Lynn Swan was hired, people didn't really want that job at that point just because of everything that was kind of going around the program. But you would know this more than I would, Don. Obviously, Kirby Hokut has been a name that has always popped up anytime there's an athletic
0: He's, uh, uh, he's, director opening. He's, I was going to say, whenever a Power 5 job opens these days, it seems like Kirby's name gets mentioned. I know he's turned down quite a few yeah. chances to pursue jobs at some high-profile places like Nebraska and yeah. Tennessee, and yeah. uh, those are a couple I remember off the top, Kansas State. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the thing, and the thing I always come back to whenever – this question comes up is Kirby is one of the highest paid elect directors in America. Top five if I'm not mistaken I believe, from top the last five. One. Yeah. And so there there are very few programs in the country that will be able to that are gonna pay him more than what he is already making here. Yep. And here's the he just he's Texas Tech's given Kirby four raises and extensions in less than four years. The most recent one uh, he's making $1.5 million this mm-hmm. year with his most recent raise. And here's the other thing that complicates it. If Kirby wanted to take a job elsewhere, um, his buyout is $1.5 million due within 60 days. Mm-hmm. And so if someone wants Kirby, they would not only have to pay him his salary. Uh, they'd not only have to pay him yeah. probably $1.5 million, which is what he's making now, but they would have to pay Tech $1.5 million for the buyout. Yeah. So you'd have to pay double what he is already making. So A, you would have to really want him, and B, that amount is payable within 60 days. And so, <laughs> so you'd have to have a, be willing to commit a lot of money in a very short time to get him. And yeah. a random fact, too,
1: uh, if he leaves, Chris Beard's uh, buyout goes, goes down by half. So,
0: just uh, a random note. Another, just a another, random another note little consideration there. Random note. Yeah. So, and uh, Southern Cal, by the way, uh, they were they came here for a track meet, came here for indoor track, and yeah. uh, I was asking, got the opportunity to visit with Quincy Watts, who was a ah, gold that's right. medalist. That's right. That Olympics. was the first time that they had their first uh, first uh, meet at the indoor
1: facility, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Southern Cal came here this past January. Quincy Watts was a gold medalist at the Olympics in 1992. He's now a Southern Cal uh, track and field coach. And just to ask him what he uh, thought of the uh, Sports Performance Center, he said that, you know, we could never do this on our campus in Los Angeles because we don't have the space. Yeah. And so if you're talking about Southern Cal in particular, Kirby has the opportunity to do things m- from a facility standpoint, more so in Lubbock. Than he than he would have in L A. At least, according again to what Quincy Watts, the Southern Cal yeah. track and field assistant, told me, said we could never do. We could never put up something like the Sports Performance Center here because we don't have the room to do it at SC. And the other interesting
1: factor too is you would have to kind of obviously get your relationships kind of built up again. Kirby certainly has a good relationship with the president It takes to take Lawrence Cuvanek, the chancellor, and kind of everyone else. So I don't know. There's just a lot of synergy here, especially with the way the program's going up. I, I can't imagine that he would leave, but I'm certain there's a call being made, or at least just a "Hey, what's up?"
0: Are you interested? Be my guest. talk into this. Yeah, yeah. Go to sleep. It's my be guess.
1: Batted around. Yeah. yeah. Be my guess.
0: Uh, let's see. Back to home field stuff. What's the one surprising thing from the uh, about Texas Tech football? What's the one surprising thing from the first two weeks that you think is for real and will continue?
1: Inside receivers will be really good.
0: I I tend to agree with you, and yeah. you know, and the reason why I think is just because Dalton Rigdon is so much better, so much of an athlete that people yeah. don't haven't realized. They f- finally got that I think maybe first glimpse of it mm-hmm. on Saturday night with the speed yeah. factor. And just you know, that guy's tough. He's what you need for an inside receiver. I mean, if you're not if you're not afraid to jump off a cliff from from fifty feet, seventy five feet, yeah. then you're probably not yeah. afraid to go over the middle and take a hit.
1: Yeah. Not only that, but you got some other guys too. McLean Mannix, who's a guy that could certainly play really well. Xavier White has shown that he has the ability to play really well. When you have that many guys that are so good at one just even wide receiver position. Like, that's the thing. It's not just overall wide receivers. That's just one spot inside wide receivers. So you can put each of those guys in there, and they will succeed for you, and they have in each of those first two games. I think that's one thing at least off the top of my head as you ask me that right now, Don. After that,
0: now, I, I, uh, okay, k- I, kicking could be good, I guess. I, I was going to say, yeah. here, here, here's my answer. The surprising thing from the first two weeks that I think is sustainable is, I, I really think believe the special teams is for yeah. real. Man, that leg that Austin McNamara shows, is yeah. uh, that's, that's not a fluke when you when you kick it 50 yards downfield and hanging up there for four and a half seconds like he's been doing. I've seen enough from him already to know he's going to be, he's nice to have around as your punter for the next four years. And, you know, Trey Wolf, 10, uh, uh, 15 kickoffs, 10 for touchbacks, mm-hmm. and uh, he's made most of his field goals so far. Yeah, I think and all his that, extra points. You know, yeah, all those extra points. I, I think uh, you haven't seen any disasters. I have a good feel about that the special teams, at least those specialists, is is sustainable. Now, um, now
1: again, they haven't gone on the road yet. So sure. that, gotta, that, that, that's something it. interesting.
0: You got to do it with uh, 50,000 people yelling against you instead yeah. of for you. Um, flip it around. What's the surprising thing so far that you are skeptical will continue? Oh, man, that one's a little bit tougher. <laughs> well, here's an obvious answer. Go right? ahead. Uh, that you're going to hold teams to four for 31 on third down yeah.
1: you know, over two game yeah. periods yeah. the rest of the way. Yeah. yeah, I
0: feel like that's kind of the easy one. I'm trying to think of something. Or to, or to, or to, one, or to one touchdown every two weeks.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're second nationally in third down defense, which is certainly good, but you have to, again, as much as I hate to bring this up, and I'm sure every fan is tired of hearing you, I, or anyone else in the local media bringing this up, look at the competition, yes, I get it. But the fact that you're able to do that, at least against those two opponents, it's still difficult to do. There are a lot of variables in football. The fact that you're able to get a team off that quickly, get it back to your offense, that's a positive. Man, just thinking about it, maybe the defensive pressure from the defensive line right now, I don't know if that's going to be sustainable in terms of the sack numbers. I think they'll plug up some – some uh, offensive linemen that allow the linebackers like Enrico Jeffers or Jordan Brooks, all those guys to make some tackles. But I think that's going to be something that could be interesting to watch because when you only get one sack against Montana State, that was slightly worrisome to me. But then they got back to UTEP. But Brandon Jones was not looking to move much in the pocket, and I think that was one of the reasons they were able to get a couple sacks. I don't know if you're going to get many sacks against Khalil Tate. And the other thing, too, is Yes, you get that bye week, but guess who you play the the week after that? Don some guy named yeah. Jalen Hurts.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna I'll throw this out there. One thing that I don't think continues, and this this is maybe a little bit uh, surprising, but everything's been so people've been so uh, encouraged, and enthusiastic about. Man, this team hasn't committed any penalties. Hardly four penalties first yeah. week, four penalties the second week, uh, and no really dumb penalties, the yeah. late hits, and 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 that sort of stuff. I'm not sure that that can continue, and and one of the reasons why is, um, it's easy to kind of keep your head and and uh, not commit dumb penalties when you're not Winnie. being challenged mm. by the opposition. It's That's harder true. to it's harder to do that against Big Twelve competition. So I think this four penalties uh, four penalties a game is uh, going to be. Hard to keep. It's going to be hard to uh, sustain that. I think to
1: kind of play off that, Don. I think I'm interested to see how this team deals with a loss and after a loss, because obviously everything looks good when you win. How do you kind of face that? I know uh, Keith Patterson kind of you kind of mentioned how he doesn't like to use the word adversity, but I guess uh, after a loss, it'd be interesting to see how all that kind of changes things. Because as you said, when you're winning, or maybe you're not challenged. I think that's probably the word is how how does Texas Tech deal with a challenge instead of using the term loss? And it could be in the form of a loss or maybe in the form of a tight game against Arizona. How do you deal with that situation where it's a one-possession game and you cannot make a mistake but you make a mistake or something like that? I think that's what I'm kind of looking to see how that works.
0: Yeah. And the last question: Someone asked me uh, where where I was uh, the last time Texas Tech played Arizona. Nineteen eighty nine, buddy. I was I was the same place that I will be on Saturday night in the press box covering the game. That was uh, in Tucson. Actually, the nineteen eighty nine game was here in Lubbock, but mm. it was the start of a pretty special season for the Red Raiders because they were picked sixth in the Southwest Conference. They wound up finishing nine and three. They beat four top twenty teams that year, and the first of those four was Arizona, which back in the beat. Border Conference. Yeah, they beat, no, that was not that was oh, Southwest that was, Conference. Oh, South, Southwest Conference. That was Southwest, Southwest right. Conference and Pac 10. I'm not that old. Oh, okay. But yeah, 30, 30 years ago this week, Tech beat U of A, which was a top 20 U of A in General Stadium, and that started off a season that uh, the Red Raiders went 9 and 3. So we'll see if they can uh, keep it up this week. That's uh, And that's going to be about all this week. Any. Anything else you want to get to, Carlos?
1: I mean, uh, other than the fact that I was three years old when that uh, matchup happened, so I'm sure that'll make you feel real goodness fun. goodness gracious. Uh, I was a, a
0: young fan. Right yeah. Now.
1: Well, well, I do have a random note for you UTEP has more wins against Texas Tech than Arizona. They've beaten the Red Raiders six times, Arizona's beaten uh, UTEP only four. Ah, okay. Or, or pardon me, uh, The Red Raiders are 14-16-1 against the Miners and and 26-4-2 against the Wildcats. Granted, the last time UTEP actually beat them was October 12, 1957. I'm sure you don't remember that one, but. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, Te- Tech and Arizona played uh, nearly every year. Yeah. From no, they... In the 30s through about the mid-50s. I mean, I was a really they were, rivalry they were back in the, border in the day. They were Yeah. Know. You know, yeah. in the border so. conference. They, they played them every year pretty much from about 1932 to 1956. And then, you know, when I was a kid, Tech and U of A played every year from 1971 to 1979. They were, uh, you know, nine. Nine or ten years in a row there, that, that was back when uh, conference.
1: that was back when you had some geographic rivals. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought of that, right? Yeah, now? well, yeah. geographic.
0: <laughs> so, anyhow, we appreciate everybody listening in and uh, submitting questions for us, giving us stuff to talk about. We'll uh, do it again next week mm-hmm. and uh, check up every check up each day, several times a day on com for your mm-hmm. Texas Tech Sports coverage football it, now and basketball be basketball pretty soon before we know
1: it yeah basketball tech volleyball tech soccer we got all that on com. and then one small little note if uh for those that are listening to the end we appreciate it i probably should mention this at the top but uh we will not be able to get this story in print so check out com for don's story and Don's. on notebook. saturday night on, on saturday, saturday night, night pardon me yes so uh it's just a little too late for all of us uh, obviously we got a drive papers to places so we got to send them at certain times so apologize to everyone but we will get the story out don will have a column in the paper hopefully and uh, we'll get the notebook and everything else that you always expect uh, from our coverage of the texas tech red raiders and of course don and brad will not like me after saturday because of the travel day i have for them yeah but we can talk about that next week right a day trip to arizona
0: (laughs) So I'll put a wrap on it. Thanks again, everybody, and we'll do this again next week.